Today we're going to be talking about some PHP problems. PHP has three three problems, I think, that need to be addressed. We're going to be talking about those. We're also going to be talking about Google Stadia. We're also going to be talking about car industry and software. Before we get into any of those three things, though, let's talk about the change log because quite a few things have happened, in particular around the code quiz. So the code quiz, as everybody knows by now, hopefully, is a quiz that I put out on Twitter and Instagram every weekdays. And it's in the form of a poll, right? It's a question about some coding topic. And I'm building the open source API, API client, website, and mobile app. That's all on GitHub. I've put a link in the show notes below if you want to contribute to that. And we've made some really good strides in getting the next JS website together. It doesn't have any components yet, but it's the infrastructure is built in the sense that it now has a Docker file that is used. There's the Docker Compose files have been removed from the API. It's now in the root uh, folder. So now Docker Compose not only handles the API, but also the website, which is fantastic. Uh, so if you want to see how a Next.js website gets built in in a in the sort of the, the containerization way, then do check out the uh, check out the pull requests there. But there is one major thing that I want to do going forward, um, as well as obviously build up the website, do the React components, and start on the mobile app. But there is one major thing that I I think I need to address first before I even tackle any of that stuff, and that is a proof of concept as to how the quizzes are going to be stored because I think I'm going to change that. At the minute, they're stored as PHP files. So there's a number of PHP files per quiz. So for example, if there's say five questions of a PHP quiz, right? That's what, five files, one file per question and then a file for the quiz itself, so six files. So it's, it's quite a lot of stuff, right? It's quite a lot of files just for that kind of data. Also, when we go and use the API client, which is a standalone sort of piece of kit, SDK, if you will, that I'm going to inject into the website and the mobile app and other things down the road that can harness this API. When we're dealing with the API client, we have to kind of replicate and duplicate some of the fixtures, some of the data for testing purposes. And this is already in the comments in some of the pull requests causing a bit of a headache, especially with things like IDs where things aren't necessarily the same going from the PHP sort of space to the JavaScript space. So it's, it's a bit of a problematic thing. There isn't at the minute a single source of truth. And this got me thinking, why don't we just use Markdown files? Why don't we just store all these questions and answers in Markdown files? And I believe without, I haven't done any of this yet, so I do need to build a proof of concept, but I believe that this is going to solve two problems. First of all, it, or it's going to enhance it in two different ways. First of all, it's going to simplify things a lot. So we'll have a single source of truth finally in Markdown. It means that we'll be able to still use the database that we have, but we're going to be reading from our Markdown files and refreshing the database from that. The other thing that it's going to allow us to have is future proofing. So at the minute, as I mentioned, we use the Twitter polls and Instagram stories for these code quizzes. It's quite limited. It's just text. You can't really do much with that. With Markdown, you can have code snippets, which means that we can actually have questions that say things like, 
read this code. What is the output? That kind of stuff. It also allows me to think about having future quizzes based on maybe certifications where we actually need to go into more in-depth documentation and stuff like that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of future proofing here that uh, could, we could harness if this works. So what I'm proposing at the minute is a proof of concept where I remove or I replace the, the PHP data fixtures as well as the API uh, fixtures and replace those with markdown files. So I need to somehow do that. And I, I, I've got a ticket that I'm going to be working through on our Twitch streams on Sunday. So if you want to see how I try and try and attempt this, then do check out those live streams on Twitch on Sundays. Probably happens about 3 p.m. British summertime. Okay, so let's talk about PHP because PHP has got, in my opinion, three big problems without trying to sound too hyperbolic, without trying to sound too dramatic. I think that these these are problems that need to be addressed. First of all, we have our uh, breaking changes that I think, I feel these breaking changes are starting to make people a little twitchy, especially library authors, especially maintainers, these breaking changes. They're also starting to get a little annoying when actually dealing with legacy code when you're trying to upgrade things going forward. We're going to be talking about these things, three, these three things in more detail in a minute. I also believe that the voting of RFCs, so the voting up and down of these RFCs, I believe that's too centralized. It needs to be a little bit more broader in terms of who can vote and the, the weight of those votes. And I also think that there is a funding issue with PHP. So let's break these these three problems down into into more gritty detail. So PHP has breaking has breaking changes. Every programming language has breaking changes. But in my opinion, it's not the destin it's not it's not the destination. It's not where you want to go. It's how you get there that really matters. And we need to get people on side to these breaking changes, which means that we need to. We need to slowly introduce breaking changes. It can't just be suddenly we have a breaking change and everybody needs to change everything because of this change. If you want to, if you want your application, your library, your whatever it is that you're maintaining to adhere to the next version, it needs to, you need to do a lot of jiggery pokery in your code in order to get it to work. This is causing people a lot of pain. So I personally think that breaking changes should be handled differently and managed differently. I think that they should be introduced into the code base differently. I think there needs to be some guidance, some rules around how that happens. So personally, this is just my complete opinion here. I think that a breaking change should only ever go in if it has proper justification as to what benefits it's actually giving the the code base. So I believe that when the RFC gets written, it should also include things like why this is this is happening, why there is a breaking change. Maybe it's a, based on a performance benefit. Maybe it's based on just trying to make the the code base more more modernized or I don't know, more in line with the other parts of the code base. Those things need to be addressed. Those things need to actually be documented down. I 
believe there we shouldn't ever have anybody looking at rfcs going well why what is the point in this just because it looks nice you know I don't think that's a valid reason. I think a valid reason is we've done some benchmarks and doing it like this actually makes you perform better. Or, you know, we've got other things in the code base. We're trying to, you know, increase consistency by doing it like this. Unfortunately, this requires breaking change, but it means that there'll be a consistency and better readability going forward. Those kind of things need to be added to RFCs. I think those kind of justifications why uh, a breaking change is a benefit and i think there needs to be a high bar as to why a breaking change is going in also i think that all breaking changes every single breaking change known should be documented and mentioned in an rfc with examples of how to solve a breaking change the rfc shouldn't just be here is an upgrade. There you go. It should also be how to handle your code going forward. Again, going back to what I said earlier, it's how you manage and how you handle breaking changes that I think needs to improve. Where have we got to? Okay, thirdly, breaking changes. I This is a big controversial move, but I think that all breaking changes should only be included in major releases. We're talking PHP 8, PHP 9, PHP 10. Why do I say that? Why is there such a huge lead time up to these breaking changes? Because I think what they need to do, we we need to give our ecosystem more time to heal, which means that having deprecations, which means that having blog posts written, which means having some form of slow, gentle introduction into the, that breaking change. We can't just suddenly go, okay, it's now PHP 7.4, breaking change, PHP, I don't know, 8, breaking change, PHP 8.1, break, you know, do you know what I mean? There needs to be a little bit more gap between these things. We need to slowly introduce these breaking changes and massage them through all the legacy code. And it's the legacy code. Come on, there's so much legacy of PHP stuff are still on the old PHP 5.6 stuff. We need to help these applications actually get to where we want them to be right and that requires time that doesn't suddenly require okay we need we need to handle this breaking change at this version and this breaking change in that version it doesn't work and to be honest if i'm being completely brutally honest there's a lot of breaking changes that i've seen where it's like does this need to be a broken change? Can't we also handle the 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 fact that that's not actually you know type safe yet? Can't we just put some notices in? You know, can't we have something out on the logger saying that this needs to happen going forward? I don't know. I it's it just feels a little bit drastic right now. It just it's a very weird time as a PHP dev. You're looking at PHP eight point one. You're on sort of five six, and you're thinking, hang on a minute. How on earth am I going to get to that point? If it's taken me this amount of time to get to 7.4, how on earth am I going to get to those stages? It's not, we're not talking about small steps here either. We're talking about quite large leaps. Okay, I can't even remember which number we're on. Uh, number four, I think, as I've just mentioned, there is a large deprecation window to say that, or not even a deprecation window, just a kind of a warning to say coming up, this isn't going to be allowed anymore. That would be great. Again, enough time for blogs to be written, enough time for examples to be used, enough time for us to prepare for these changes. 
And um, backwards compatibility is important um, and it should be prioritized. So backwards compatibility, in my opinion, is very important because there is so many, so much legacy code out there that I think that it needs to be prioritized over new changes. So compatibility of the previous code bases of the previous versions, I believe needs to be a higher priority than new changes going on. Okay, so that's the that's the point number one, the problem number one, but uh, there's too many breaking changes in PHP and it's causing a lot of people a lot of pain. The second one was regarding voting, wasn't it? So voting, I believe, is very centralized. I don't think that um, the people who vote on the RFCs have... So they obviously have the best interest of PHP in heart, but I don't think they have all the ears and all the eyes of all the library authors and all the maintainers out there. And this is a very difficult problem to to. To handle, and I and I must be honest, I don't have a solution. I don't have a I don't have a solution for all any of these things, really. To be honest, I pointed out five things on the breaking changes just a minute ago, but are they solutions? I don't know. The voting one is very difficult because it, we're talking about not just the technical stuff, but also people and emotions and stuff like that. Personally, I think that mailing lists just suck. I mean, there are much better ways to handle communication and technical documentation through in 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 2022 you know a mailing list is not that <laughs> it does from an outsider's point of view it does feel like it is an elitist club and and i i'm i'm sorry that sounds harsh but it does it does feel like if you if you don't fit that bar then you cannot have a say on where php is going and it is Going back to the library authors, going back to the people who are maintaining the code bases, there's obviously far more of those than there are people who are eligible to vote. And I, maybe it's a case of bringing the barrier of entry down. I don't know. I've I've left a link in the show notes as to how to actually become a maintainer, right? And how to have voting rights. And I have actually attempted to do this sort of on the quiet, just to see if I could do this you need to obviously have a, a, a rfc and be able to create that code for that rfc the code that um, that makes that feature right does that thing which means that you need to know how php is built and so i went down that rabbit hole of of i didn't have an rfc I'd, i had no idea i just wanted to see how i could build php and that is the massive barrier of entry trying to get php built is just really difficult but in my opinion there's two parts of this there's two sides of this there is building the rfc right being able to create or, or build php right and then there's the voting and i think that they are very different i think that we should be perhaps allowing more people to vote and maybe have the weight of the votes less than those who have actually created and are actively maintaining PHP, let's say. But I, I do believe that those other votes, the library authors, the maintainers, right, the maintainers of open source parts of PHP, 
who don't actually have RFC access, I, I think that their voices need to be heard and they're not at the minute. Okay, so I don't want to be firebombed on that one, but <laughs> that's what I that's what I personally think. So I've got a link, as I've mentioned, to how to become an RFC creator, an author. If, you want, if you're interested, if you've got an idea, then uh, do check that out. I certainly appreciate we do need to have a core team of people who can cast votes, but as I mentioned, I don't think the... All, all of the maintainers who are doing great work have a, a clear, transparent voice. And I think we need to... I don't know how. I honestly don't know how to do this. Uh, I, don't, I, haven't, I don't have any suggestions other than something needs to give. The last point is funding. So funding is an issue. So like with all open source or many, I wouldn't say all, many open source projects, funding is a is a large issue here. Um, BC breaks, when, when we got technical problems like this and, and we got maintainers who are trying to juggle all of these BC breaks, as I mentioned in the first point, money comes an issue because we're talking about people's time and, and people's life styles and, and life choices. If they're choosing to spend their time maintaining the, their the code bases that help bring PHP forward by the libraries, by the frameworks, by all the things that they've contributed to PHP, but perhaps not PHP itself. This is part of what makes PHP so great. The ecosystem, if they have somehow contributed to the ecosystem to make PHP get better, then their time, in my opinion, needs to be compensated. And it's a right struggle if you're having to deal with all these BC breaks all the time. This is why the funding thing keeps coming up, keeps getting raised. It's like there is no single authority to say, or not authority, but there isn't really a single company behind PHP. Not as it, not like it used to be. So <laughs> there is many legacy projects uh, in PHP, in the PHP space, uh, that most of the work that I do right now is based on upgrading. It's upgrade work upgrading legacy projects, brownfield projects, and uh, coming up with compatibility workarounds. And this is the same for the library authors and the maintainers of all these things, coming up with ways to actually get their code base to be at a at the next standard. And it's a frustrating when your BC breaks don't act, there's no real justification for that. It's almost like we're just giving people more things to do for no real reason without that justification I mentioned, first of all. I personally think that companies need to make more effort in PHP and actually consider PHP more seriously and pay for the community's time, right? And companies need to understand that open source costs both in time and effort and money to both them as well as the community. So again, I don't really have a solution here. I just know that this is a, f a frustration with a lot of people and I, I, I just wanted to bring it up. So there is a funding problem with PHP. And I, I know that there is some really good things happening with say the PHP Foundation and that's fantastic. But PHP has gone through a very a series of awkward times, I guess, in the last... I don't know, handful of years, the, these kind of wobbles, these hiccups, it doesn't instill confidence a lot of the time. And I, I think that if we had a, a, if we had a set of companies that were driving PHP forward and listening to the 
community and listening to the maintainers and listening to how the ecosystem is being generated and built and propose a very transparent way of of funding and and maintaining php going forward and i i i don't know i'm not privy to any information about anything that's going on with the php foundation um but maybe there is something like that coming up and that would be fantastic and it, and, and if there is then you'll certainly hear about it here on howtocopewell.net. I want to leave PHP on a high, okay, today, because I feel like I've been just kicking it, to be honest. But PHP is a fantastic programming language. I love it. I really do. It is the thing that's made me a programmer. It's the thing that is paying me as a contractor. It is the thing that I'm teaching and will continue teaching on how to code well. And I'm very excited with how it's going forward. I just feel like we need to address little niggles. Maybe that's me sort of downplaying it to a, a bit, but there are niggles that need to be addressed because we need to keep these people actually developing PHP and therefore we need to address those problems and listen to those problems that they have. Okay, so enough of that. Let's talk about Google. I think it was a few weeks back, Google announced that uh, Google Stadia is is dying or fading out, which I never have used. So I must admit, I've never used Google Stadia. But for, for those who've been living on, under a rock, it was a way of streaming games. And this is just this is just one of those things that Google has just faded out and just decided to discontinue. And this goes into the next story, which is car makers. So when I was back at school, those many, many years ago, I always remember that my business studies teacher, he said something which has always stuck with me. And that is that software sells the hardware. That is why I'm a software developer. Software sells the hardware. You don't buy a PlayStation without buying games. And your biggest reason to choose an Xbox over a PlayStation is because of the exclusive titles that one has over the other. You don't just buy your, your Xbox and just stare at the box that you've just bought. You buy it because you want to play the software this also makes me feel and i'll get to back to to the state to the car stuff in a minute this is also similar to the other i think it was what six months ago i bought a tv and i was very stuck with where the tv had to go right the tv had to go in one specific spot and there wasn't it wasn't a huge spot therefore the tv couldn't be massive otherwise it would overhang the wall it would look terrible so there was a constrained size set of dimensions that this TV could be. Okay, fine. This now knocked me out of looking at TVs that were at a certain specification, right, in terms of quality, in terms of display quality. So what was the next criteria that I was more concerned with? It was the UI of that TV, the software of that TV, because I've had TVs in the past and the UI sucks real bad, like real, real bad, very, very slow. As in, you press a button on the remote control and you have to wait a couple of seconds for it to actually do anything on the screen. And the, the, the software was just, and you could tell that your software was getting slower and slower and slower over time, or the niggles weren't being updated. The software wasn't being updated as frequently as you would like to fix all these issues. Cutting a very long story short, I chose the TV based on the software that the TV had rather than the display quality of the TV because it was a, it was a small TV. It could only fit in a, in a certain place. So what I'm saying is I bought 
the, the hardware based on the software. This is what the business studies teacher taught me. And I look towards car makers because this is the next sort of industry or one of the next industries that the web is going to inf uh, infiltrate is the car. Because what we have here is infotainment centers being created by the individual car manufacturers, but also of IT companies that make all sorts of web-based things, i.e. Google Android and Apple. Right, these are the two big main players, but there are also other little, I shouldn't say little, these are, there are other car manufacturers that are making their own UIs and making their own infotainment centers. A lot of them are actually, from what, what I can gather, they're actually emulators of some slimmed down version of Android. I don't know how that's going to work out in the future, but it poses a lot of questions. And I go back to the Google Stadia thing that, that they've faded out. Are we going to see a fragmentation in these infotainment centers like we see fragmentation that we used to of it's better now but we used to see fragmentation in android where you would have all sorts of various different android versions on very very different devices and different tablets are we going to see a similar thing with cars and are we going to see apple going for an infotainment center for the like like the high end stuff because Apple is a very luxury brand and it won't it won't go anywhere near any of the 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 cheapo cars right in my opinion it's going to go for luxury kind of vehicles and then it'll probably have like the 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 pro max ultra on the luxury vehicle and then it'll be a pro and then it will be i don't know a max and then whatever the se version is will be just you know your, your standard infotainment center that just a general car can can use but then it will go up and up into luxury land that kind of stuff but it, it kind of worries me a little bit that these infotainment centers are becoming more integrated into how the car actually responds or the car actually does things uh, and displays things hooks into various different parts of the mechanical bits of the car it's quite worrying when you've got companies that are as big as google just just stopping product lines <laughs> it's it's very bizarre because you can kind of see this going forward and what does this mean for things like car rentals so what I like currently with, with the infotainment centers, especially right with the Android stuff, is that I can take that with me. I can take that phone with me and put it into other cars and use my phone as the display, right? It's not brilliant. It's not, it's not great. If it was a, an actual native display in the car, it would be much bigger, right? Like a Tesla uh, display would be much, much bigger. But we can't really do that with the display that we've got. And the cars at the minute, they... They don't have those big displays. Teslas do, some of the minis do, some of the electric cars do, but not all of them. I think more of them will come on, certainly, sure. But are we going to be faced with something where we get into the car and we plug our phones in and that then updates the display on the, on the car, on the infotainment center on the car? Are we, as web developers, are we going to be uh, looking to build not only mobile applications but or mobile displays responsive displays but are we also going to be 
caring about responsive displays in cars. What does that mean? There's going to be some of these displays aren't rectangle. They're also circular. It's mind boggling when you start looking into how this might affect our industry going forward. So I wait with bated breath as to how companies like Apple and Google are going to approach this. And because I think it's going to happen relatively soon, probably in the next three years, I reckon that um, someone is going to start making a, a, a move into this space as in Apple, I think, might be uh, looking into this in the next three, three possibly five years time. Google are obviously have their, their things out at the minute. And there are companies that are using sort of a, uh, an emulated version of those things. I just, I, I just cringe when I think about how these are going to be um, supported going forward. The thing is with the difference between like a car and well, there's many differences between a car and a computer is that with a computer, you re refresh it very, very frequently with a car. Not so, not so much cars are, um, I remember my first car, it was, it had many, many people who had driven it beforehand. How do you scale that going forward? You know, how do you have a car that, uh, you sell that has part of your personalized display information with that all oh, I mean, wow, even that personalization of the infotainment thing, can you move that from one car to another? So many questions, so many questions, but I, I think that this field is going to get very interesting within three to five years time. Anyway, I have kept you long enough. Thank you ever so much for listening or watching. If you've got any questions, if you've got any comments on what I've suggested or what I've said, especially around the PHP stuff, then do let me know. I'll provide all the links that I've mentioned down in the show notes below. Thank you ever so much for watching or listening. Happy coding, everybody. And I hope to see you on Twitch on Sunday. Cheers. Bye-bye.